Come on, say it better than the 11 o'clock service. This is God's word. This is God's word. Not Pastor Redman's word. word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your people. I thank you for using me as an oracle of God to speak. And Holy Spirit, I thank you for changing and rearranging belief systems that maybe we've held on to for years, not knowing that it's keeping us from being pushed forward. And so I thank you, Lord Lord Jesus, for the sacrifice, for your life, for your example, and for your power. And Lord, we thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders following our lives as a result of what we hear today. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm starting a new series today called Unapologetically Prosperous. Unapologetically Prosperous. And what this title means is you shouldn't be apologizing, downplaying, or operate in false humility for how God prospers you. Say amen to that. However, I am not saying that we should be boastful or proudful in what we have as if we only have it because of ourselves. David said something that can be taken two ways. And I'm going to take what he said and I'm going to look at it on the negative side. This is found in Psalm chapter 30. And we're going to look at verse 5 for context purposes. But verse 6 is the actual verse that I want us to focus on. He says, for his anger, talking about God, is just for a moment. In his favor is life. We all know this part of the scripture. It says, weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. But watch verse 6. He says, and in my prosperity, that sounds a little selfish, doesn't it? In my prosperity, I, that sounds a little conceited, doesn't it? He says, in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Listen to the New Living Translation of that verse. He says, when I was prosperous, I said, nothing can stop me now. Now, this attitude exists when we make what we have about us. Amen. This self-sufficient attitude creeps in when we forget that everything we have comes from God. This attitude of self-sufficiency is what caused David to actually sin against God. That mindset that we just read is what made him sin against God. In the New Living Translation of First Chronicles, I'm going to show you that anytime you and I move into the self-sufficient mode, you will eventually sin against God. It says now in the New Living Translation, it says Satan rose up against Israel 
and caused David to take a census or to count of the people of Israel. So David said to Joab and the commanders of the army, take a consensus of all the people of Israel from Beersheba in the south to Dan in the north and bring me a report so that I may know how many there are. See what David is doing, he's counting everybody who he has as warriors because in his mind, the more men he has, the more enemies he can fight and win. The problem is God was helping them all along the way. It wasn't just how many people he had. Verse 3 says, but Joab replied, may the Lord increase the number of his people a hundred times over. But why, my Lord, the king, do you want to do this? Are they not all your servants? Why must you cause Israel to sin? Look in verse 4. But the king insisted that they take the census. So Joab traveled throughout all Israel to count the people. Then he returned to Jerusalem and reported the number of people to David. There were 1,100,000 warriors in all Israel who could handle a sword and 470,000 in Judah. But Joab did not include the tribes of Levi and Benjamin in in the census because he was so distressed at what the king had made him do. Verse 7. God was very displeased with the census and he punished Israel for it. Then David said to God, I have sinned greatly by taking this census. Please forgive me for my guilt for doing this foolish thing. David knew that what he was doing was wrong because he was counting on the number of people he had to determine how strong his army could be. And when you and I get in a self-sufficient mode, what we're saying is, I don't need your help, God. I got it. Amen. So I'm about to say something right now that's going to slap everybody awake and then slap you back to sleep. Are you ready? If your confidence to prosper is only high when your bank account is high, then your prosperity is in the works of your hands, not in the God who gave you your hands. I'm going to say it again. If your confidence to prosper is only high when your bank account is high. Oh, you got money. You feel good. You the man. You the lady. Oh, yeah, we doing it right, God. If your confidence to prosper is only high when your bank account is high, then your prosperity is in the works of your hands and not in the God who gave you your hands. A dependent heart. Everybody say a dependent heart. A dependent heart says everything I have comes from him. But even, listen to me church, but even in living a godly prosperous life, people will still judge you and criticize you. Amen. People have had an issue with me from how I dress to what I have to what I've achieved. All that didn't start when I became a pastor. People was doing this long time ago. That's why I'm used to it. Listen, years ago, uh, when I graduated from college, we're talking about the 80s. I get recruited by a company named Monarch Marking. They were owned by Pitney Bowes, located in Ohio. They literally relocated me from the Dallas area to there. 
And uh, when I was in high school, my parents gave me a 1974 Chevy Nova. Man, I loved it, that Nova. Me and that Nova, we sinned together and then we got saved together. That Nova was a rolling bong. I mean, that thing hell smoked. You hear me? So when my parents gave me the car, it was gold. And of course, I have to put the next level on it. So of course, I got the car painted and I did all kind of stuff. And so watch this now. So I drove it through high school. And then I drove this car four years through college. And then I got into corporate America. And what's interesting is when they relocated me, they actually got my car and they transported it from Dallas to Ohio. It probably cost more money to transport the car than what the car was worth. I drove that car another three years while in corporate. And you have to understand, Pastor Edmund dressed, I mean, back then, I, I'm suited and booted. You hear me? And I'm getting out of this 1974 Nova. Listen, this Nova has some issues. First of all, it looked like a rolling Rubik's Cube because now all those paint colors I changed had now come back up. And I'm not mechanically inclined, never have been. I'm not going to try to fix it, but I'll pay somebody else to do it. So one time, the windshield wipers got bad on the car. And I had a hard time figuring out how to get the windshield wipers off. Finally, I got the windshield off, uh, wiper off of the driver's side. And when I put the new windshield wiper on there, I did not put it on right. And so here's the windshield. The windshield wiper would go off the car. I couldn't put it. I didn't know how to put it back. Then when it rained, right where the rearview mirror was, the the car would leak. So I always carried a towel. Put it right here on my leg. So when it was raining, my suit didn't get wet. I'm not telling a lie. This is the truth. And then, of course, I really looked good because you could not get in through the driver's door you had to go through the passenger door crawl in and then get in the car now you can get out but you can't get in right so my colleagues they talked about me they talked about me because you know i'm dressing clean and i was looking good back then i had a louis vuitton briefcase this is back in the day y'all so don't talk about me it's i've always had this issue I've always had it. So anyway, they wanted to play a trick on me, my colleagues. Somebody goes and purchases a lime green car phone antenna and puts it on the back of my Nova. You know, this is when car phones was coming in and you had the big car phone inside the car, but they put the antenna on the, on the back. And so somebody went and bought a lime green one. And so uh, I'm going out to my car to go to lunch and all of them looking out of the window because they played this trick on me. I didn't know it. I get out there and I see it on there. I just get in like I'm on the phone. I ain't going to let you shame me. I left it on there. Then I'll never forget, I'm at breakfast in a breakfast meeting with my, my, my boss. And I see this 300 ZX with T-tops gold drive by with a for sale sign on it. 
I said, that's my car right there. Because see, I'm not going to let you pressure me to make a decision that you want me to make because you ain't going to pay for it anyway. Hello. And what I drive don't make me me. Me is what make what I drive. So I bought that car, long story short. Long story short, I bought that car. It was clean too. So then I go into the, uh, one day I had to, have a meeting in the main building and it was a you know big reception area and the reception was there she had to buzz people in you had to show your id and all this kind of stuff so i come in there and she says hey evan uh, is that your new car i said yep that's my new car she says well why wouldn't you buy a volkswagen and give the money to the poor for what you pay for that car i said well why does it have to be either or I said, because I'm driving the car that God don't care what kind of car I drive as long as I can pay for the car. Number two, I still give to the Lord. And number three, I give to the poor all the time. Talk to you later. A dependent heart says everything I have comes from him. People are going to criticize you. Say amen to that. And so here's the thing. Here's the thing. I need you, and I'm going to be up front, because with this series, if you have a problem even with the title, you need to hear me. If you have a problem with what we're going to discuss, it's because you need some faith in it. Because I'm going to be saying some things that are challenging. I'm going to say some things very boldly. And then I'm going to be sharing some things that are personal. But I want you to keep your heart right so you can grow from the teaching. Say amen. So today is a foundational day. So here's, there are five things, and it should be in your notes. There are five things that I want to cover in this series. Here's number one. I want to cover and show you uh, that uh, I want to give you a biblical perspective of prosperity. That's number one. That's the first thing I want to do. The second thing I want to do with the series is help you to discover the promises of God regarding prosperity from his word. Number three, I want to help us define the problems that come with being prosperous because there are problems that come with prosperity. Just like there are problems that come with poverty, there are problems that come with prosperity. And then number four, I want us to learn some reasons of why we may not be experiencing prosperity at new levels because I believe you should always be growing in every area of your life. And then last but not least, number five, we're going to talk about uh, the purpose of prosperity and that teaching is going to be so good because I believe the average person hinders the prosperity that comes into their life because they don't know the purpose for it. Amen. This may be probably a controversial series, but one thing I'm going to promise you, I'm going to teach this series from scripture so no one will be able to accuse me of teaching my opinion. Amen. So if you're taking notes today, the message title is unapologetically prosperous. And the goal of the message today is to provide you with a biblical perspective on prosperity so that, listen, church, your understanding of it is rooted in truth. It's not going to be rooted in tradition, rooted in what nobody else says. What I want to do is teach you the biblical perspective of prosperity, and it's going to be rooted in truth. And here's the thing. Truth is important. Watch this, because knowing it produces freedom. John 8, 32 says this, and you shall what, church? Know the truth. And then what happens? And the truth shall what? 
make you free. Listen, which says that where there is an absence of truth, there will be bondage. Now, what I want you to be conscious of is how you hear this message and how you hear the series. Why? Because how you hear it will determine how you believe it. And how you believe it will be dictated about how you receive it. And how you receive it will determine how you succeed in it. So just look at your neighbor and say, get your ears together. Don't allow your previous way of thinking, especially if it's contrary to what you were here while I'm teaching this, to interfere with your learning and growing. Luke chapter 8 verse 18, Jesus says something amazing. He says, take heed therefore how you hear. Do you know you can hear something wrong? He says, for whatsoever, whosoever hath, to him it shall be given. And whosoever does not have from him, it shall be taken even that which he seems to have. Listen to the New Living Translation. It breaks it down better. He says, so pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. Here is why something can be taken or lost when you hear wrong. Listen to what I'm saying. This is how something can be taken or lost when you hear wrong. It's because, this is so good, truth can only be laid down on a solid foundation. I'm going to say that again. Truth can only be laid down on a solid foundation. Truth is so heavy, nothing else can handle it other than truth. Amen. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken unto them as a wise man, which built his house upon what? A rock. Well, what's the rock? The rock is the word. The rock is Jesus Christ. He says, he says, and the rain descended because sometimes challenging times are going to come. And the floods came and the winds blew and it beat on that house. What house? The house that was built on the rock. The house that was built on the word. The house that was built on Jesus. And watch what happened. It did not fall. Why? Because it was founded on the rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does not do them shall be likened unto a foolish man. Watch this. Which built his house upon what, church? The sand. And the rain descended, same rain. And the floods came, same flood. And the, and listen, and the winds blew, same wind. It beat up on that house and it did what? It fell. And great was his fall. Listen, I want you to notice. Same wind, same waves. Same flood hit both houses. One house fell. You know why? Because it wasn't built on truth. It wasn't built on the word. And so the foundation of where we hear truth from, listen church, will determine if truth works for us. Oh, I'm going to say that again. I want, listen, don't, don't turn your brains off. I want you to open your spirit, but I want you to open your brain. Because see, your brain is where you think from. Listen, listen to what I just said. The foundation of where we hear truth from, in other words, the foundation of where I hear truth will determine if it's going to work for me. And this is why, quote unquote, the word doesn't work 
or seem to work for some people. It's because the foundation of where they're hearing it from and applying it from is unstable. For example, tithing. It doesn't work because you've decided to try it. You don't try tithing. See, you have to believe that it is going to bless you like the word says it will. So when you apply truth from this heart position, it will always work for you. But it won't work for you. Watch this now. When you still have granny's negative perspective on tithing. In other words, your foundation about tithing is not solid. It's not on the rock. It's not on the word. It's not in truth. Your, your foundation is what granny told you. You can't trust nobody. Give your 10% to people on the street. They could use it. Why would I want to give my, listen, what God has blessed me with first, why would I want to give it to somebody who can't bless me? This is why you give the first to God. Because he blesses the rest Not only blesses what you gave him first, but he blesses the rest of what you keep. So why would I give somebody the first and they can't bless me? Now I can give them some after that, but I'm not going to give them, give it to them first. Amen. And so that's why some people, it doesn't work. Truth doesn't work because watch this, their foundation. It won't work, but you have to decide. Look at your neighbor and say, you have to decide. You have to decide. You have to decide which one you want as your foundation. So the place you hear from will determine how to work for you. So there are five ways a person can approach hearing the word. Because I'm trying to get you ready. There are five ways that you can approach when it comes to hearing the word. Here's the first way a person can uh, approach hearing the word. You can listen to the word for inspiration. And this is when we're not feeling good and we want to hear something that makes us feel good. All right. This is when we hear so that we can feel good. But Matthew 13, 20 says, but he that receives seed or the word in stony places, the same as he that hears the word. And then with joy, he receives it. Yet he doesn't have root in himself, but endure for a while. But when tribulation or persecution comes, watch this, because of the word, he's offended. I love the New Living Translation. He said the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the word or hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. They're happy. They feel good. They came in church, wasn't feeling good. And then they come in and the word made them feel good. He says, but in verse 21, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or persecuted for believing God's word. So it's okay to be inspired from the teaching and from preaching, but that can't be your only position, which takes us down to the second way that people listen to the word. Some people listen for information. And this is when you listen for facts instead of listening for faith. Facts produce knowledge, and of course knowledge can puff up because what you know sometimes becomes more important than how much you grow. See, some people, they're listening for information. They're listening for facts. They're listening for knowledge. And watch this. They're not looking at uh, this knowledge to help them grow. They're just looking at knowledge so they can know. Some people listen for confirmation. This is when you and I are hearing to confirm what we already know. And it's a subtle mindset that's actually rooted in pride because it feels good. Watch this, church, to know that you already know something, even though you might not be walking in it. 
This is what our kids do. You try to help them. I know, I know, I know, I know. Well, if you know, you know, you know, you know. Well, I might, why am I have to tell you, tell you, tell you, tell you? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Lots of times people equate knowing with doing, but they're not the same. James 1.22 said, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So listen, when we hear the word, if we hear it to just know it and we don't do it, deception uh, just, just kind of creeps in. Then some people, this was not bad, but it still has a limitation to it. Some people listen for revelation. You know, some people, I, I want to hear something new. Pastor, preach some revelation. I want to hear something that I ain't heard before. Show me something in the scriptures that's going to take my mind and blow it. Some people listen for revelation. This is when you are hearing to receive spiritual insight. That gives you a deeper understanding, which takes your roots deeper. However, revelation without application produces stagnation. I think we all should listen for application. And this is when you and I are listening to discover what we need to do so we can apply it and grow from it. Say amen to that. So let's look at prosperity from God's perspective. And let's just pray that the Spirit of God will shine some light. Because I only have one point, and I may have to continue this point next week. But here's the only point for today. Prospering is God's will. It is not the will of God for you not to be able to pay your bills. That is not the will of God. God's trying to teach me something. Yeah, he's trying to teach you that that's not his will. There, listen, listen, listen. There is nothing glorifying to God when his people are out here struggling. Amen. How many of us by the showing of hands believe that God himself is a prosperous God? Do you believe that? Yeah, I believe that too. Amen. I want to read something that I hope will help you settle this matter that he's a prosperous God. Revelation chapter 21. Here's what I'm about to read and I'm going to jump around. I just want to show you what the new heaven and the new earth is made out of. In Revelations 21, verse 1 says, and this was John speaking, he says, I saw a new heaven. Everybody say a new heaven. A new heaven and a new what? A new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. In other words, there was no more water. And I, John, saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem, and it was coming down from God out of where, church? Out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. He said, you know what? I saw this new Jerusalem, not the old one. I saw a new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. Now I'm going to jump down to verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. And he showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending down out. Uh, of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like to a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. I'm going to jump down now to Revelation chapter 21, verse 18. 
Now, we'll say verse 12 talks about that there were 12 gates, and these 12 gates were named from the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. So verse 8 says, 18 says, and the building of the wall, he's talking about now this new Jerusalem that was coming down out of heaven. The building of the wall of it was made out of jasper. And the city was what, church? What? Oh, no, it wasn't none of this stuff that is gold. Some of us beware. You know the kind that they got a guarantee that if it turns, you, you can take it back. The fact that they tell you that you can take it back tells you it ain't real. This wasn't no uh, 24 karat overlaid gold that this city was made out of. What kind of gold they said it was? How much? Pure gold like unto clear glass. Look at verse 19. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first one was jasper and sapphire. Look, you can't, they got emeralds. You got sardius. You got, you got all kinds. Some of these now, I can't even name them. Crystallite. That sounds like a drink, don't it? The ninth was topaz. Here's my point. And then it says in verse 21, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every several gate was one pearl. Can you imagine if the gates was about the size of this screen right here? That's one big old pearl. It don't sound like God's broke to me. So here's a question that I have for you, church. If God is prosperous, which he is then why wouldn't he want his children prosperous? I'm going to say that again because some of it, it needs to sink in on you because you weren't, ter- you weren't taught right. If God is prosperous and he is, why wouldn't he want his children prosperous? Say amen to that. It would be a crime if you were prosperous as a parent. But yet you treated your children like they were paupers. Amen. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9. It says this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich. Yet for our sakes he became what? Poor. That we, you and I, through his poverty, might be rich. God wants us all to live a prosperous life. But I have discovered there are some things that you and I have to do for that to take place. Amen. And so I want to close today by proving to you that God wants you to have a prosperous life. Third John chapter 2. This is in the New Testament because next week I'm going to show you a lot of old and new. But Third John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things... Not some things. He said, look, I want this to be at the top of your list for you. He says, I wish above all things that you may do what, church? Prosper. What's the next word? Okay, so stop right there. He's saying prosper is one thing. Okay, so, but now he's not going to keep it at one thing. He says, I want you to prosper. Okay, let me put it like this. It's like having macaroni and cheese. Come on now. He's saying, I want you to prosper and be in health. First lady and I was at the mall, you know, picking out the, the gifts for the Mother's Day, right? So we come out 
And, uh, you know, there was the, you know, they, they park, they park my cars up at the front because we make sure we tip the valet. They know me. You know, the guy greeted me. He says, uh, hey, good to see you, Mr. Pro, uh, Mr. Mr. Giver. Mr. Generous, that's what he said, because one of my life's plays say generous. He said, hey, how you doing, Mr. Generous? I said, man, I'm good. Thank you for, for greeting me that way. Right. So we're waiting because there was a guy uh, in front of us and he was in a white convertible Rolls Royce. It was sweet, too. Had white seats with pipe black uh, uh, trim on the seats. And, and it was an old man. I had to say it like that. Oh, man. He was in a wheelchair. They wheeled him close to the door. His grandson was the one riding him around. It was obvious whose car it was because this old man had on his Louis Vuitton. I'm talking about he was old. He had his Louis Vuitton. He could barely walk, but he had Louis Vuitton on. This man had on a ring, and I'm not exaggerating, first lady. No, I'm telling the truth. This man had an emerald ring with diamonds. I swear that ring was this big. I had never seen a ring that big in my life. And he gets in the car, and they, you know, close the door. And I said to myself, What a prosperous man. Now, he got one foot in the grave and one foot on earth, but I mean, you know. (laughs) That was the words of the ballet guy. I didn't actually say that. So listen, he says, "I, I, I pray that you prosper and be in health because you can have money or material possessions and be sick and it's not going to help you. He said, I want you to prosper and be in health. And then he says, but you know what? That's conditioned based on your soul prospering. That word prosper means to, to have help on the road. It means to succeed in reaching. It also means to succeed in business affairs. So I'm going to stop here and I'm going to pick back up next week. Because I'm going to show you there are so many different meanings for the word prosperity in the Bible. And it's so many times that it's mentioned in so many different ways. But the general theme that I found through all this study was this. Every word in prosperity, whether it's Hebrew, whether it's Greek, whether all of them may have specific meanings for context purposes. But what I did discover is they all mean that good is connected to it. Everybody say good. All of them have good connected to it. So I'm going to read one verse. This is in Genesis chapter 1. This is when the first time the word prosperity was used in the Hebrew. It's found in Genesis chapter 1 and we'll close it. It says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light that it was what church? Good. That word good is the Hebrew word. T-O-W-B, which I guess you could pronounce is tube. That word means good. But that same word, T-O-W-B, is found in Job chapter 36, verse 11. He says, if they obey and serve him, watch what happens. They will spend their days in what? Prosperity, that word prosperity is the same word, T-O-W-B. So prosperity is good. 
He says, if they obey and serve him, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. He says, but if they obey not, they will perish by the sword. So let's apply this today. How do we apply today's message? First of all, I want you to listen to this message again. Because some of you all have been taught some bad stuff so long, you don't know that it's governing your subconscious mind. So your subconscious mind is what you have decided to believe long term. See, your mind is, you know, that's that's why you have to renew it. Because when you renew your mind, your conscious mind, it will, once your mind is renewed, then it trains your subconscious to believe it. And so many of us, our subconsciouses have been trained by bad teaching. So I want you to listen to the message again. Here's number two. Accept what's being said, even if it contradicts your upbringing. And then here's the last thing. Let Job 36, 11, the verse I just read, let that be your prosperous confession for the week. Okay. If I obey and serve him, I'm going to spend my days in prosperity and my years in pleasure. Come on, say this with me. Say, when I, I, I we're going to say, we're not going to say if, because we're going to just decide we're going to obey God. So let's just say, when I obey God, I'm going to spend my days in prosperity and my years in pleasure. We're going to say it again. Say, when I obey God, I'm going to spend my days in prosperity and my years in pleasure. Come on, one more time. Say, when I obey God, and I serve him. I will spend my days in prosperity and my years in pleasure. And Father, I declare over Word of Truth Family Church and those who are watching me. That as they make a decision to obey and serve. That God, you said in your word, we will spend our days in prosperity and our years in pleasure. And I pray that today. That every person who makes a conscious decision today, I'm going to obey God when he tells me what to do. And I'm going to serve him for the rest of my life. As we obey and serve God, I thank you for doors of prosperity and opportunities opening up that we could never, ever view or know in our natural mind. And I thank you for blessing us in Jesus' name. With every head still bowed and every eye closed, here's my question. If you die today, are you sure you go?